The Touchdown City Podcast is presented by Salango Law, where you don't get excuses, you get results. Visit them online at salangolaw.com. studio is your host anthony lewis and this is the touchdown city podcast welcome into the touchdown city podcast presented by salango law and produced in partnership with the charleston gazette mail i'm anthony lewis thank you for downloading the show this week and joining us later in the show wvu football or wvu sports hall of famer Mike Fox will be joining us talking about his induction into the WVU Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, This week, Coach Neil Brown will be taking the Mountaineers to College Park and uh, taking on the Terrapins of Maryland. And um, today I was on Dave Weekly's show um, on a statewide broadcast, and he asked me, is West Virginia and Maryland a rival? And my answer was simply yes. West Virginia and Maryland are rivals just due to the fact that they're bordering states. They have a long history, I think over 50 games played against each other. Um, It's never been lopsided. The the teams tend to go on streaks, but it's never been a lopsided rivalry, unlike some other rivalries, so-called rivalries that West Virginia have. But, um, you know, the West Virginia-Maryland rivalry has had some great endings. I mean, you go back into the 70s, Danny Bugs returns a punt with hardly any time on the clock for an upset win at Maryland. Um, you're talking about West Virginia and uh, Maryland going into overtime. Now, after this was even after West Virginia and Maryland, where Maryland had dominated West Virginia during the early Rich Rodriguez years, and uh, West Virginia goes into overtime and Rasheed Marshall hits Chris Henry on a slant to finally get the monkey off the West Virginia back, so to speak, and uh, knock off the Terrapins. Because the year before, Maryland had beat West Virginia twice in one season with a West Virginia transfer. So the it is a rivalry just due to the fact that you're so close and you have a long history of playing against each other. And I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward for the Mountaineers to go back into College Park and take on the Terrapins of the Big Ten. Um, that's actually kind of hard for me to believe that West Virginia or that Maryland is no longer in the ACC and has now moved to the Big Ten. So uh, here's some comments from Coach Neil Brown, and then we'll take a break. Then when we come back, we'll be joined by Mike Fox, former Mountaineer defensive lineman, had some years in the NFL, and he'll tell us about his induction into the WVU Football or WVU Sports Hall of Fame and also um, his time at West Virginia. So here's Coach Neil Brown. And we'll be joined by Mike Fox here shortly. You know, a lot going on in the world that's that's negative, and and hopefully, you know, our fans and and our players and our staff can really find some some joy in the opportunity to get out and compete this week. And so, um, excited about starting the season. Um, I'm glad we're on the road uh, to start off. I really am. We had some struggles there last year, so um, we're looking to uh, to to play much improved than we did a year ago on the road. Starting off with a rivalry game versus a very talented Maryland team. Coach Loxley 
and his staff have done a great job recruiting. Uh, I know they had a top 20 class last year, and, and you can see that talent in being displayed on all three phases. Um, difficult first game, new coordinators in all three phases for them. Um, start with offense, um, their spread, their mul multiple uh, tight end, quarterback, receiver, their skill set, their skill players are really talented. Um, a quarterback, really talented kid. Um, saw him play multiple times in high school. He's a winner. Um, he's a dual threat. He can run the football. He throws it intermediary in, in deep. Throws in, has nice touch. I know that from seeing him live. Um, Receiver-wise, very talented. You know, maybe as talented as anybody we're going to play this year. They're um, probably four to six guy, quality guys there at the receiver position. Um, it starts for them at receiver with Demas and Jarrett, and I think those guys are, are NFL players. Uh, explosive. It's going to be a great challenge for us. And then the tight end's back. And the tight end's a really good player. He's an NFL prospect. I saw he was on the senior bowl watch list as well. Um, so just their talent, just their skill on, on offense is going to be a challenge for us. Defensively, I thought they played extremely well at the end of last season. If you look at the, their stats last three games, uh, impressive. They're big up front. Uh, number 34, he led the Big Ten in, in, in sacks last year. Um, the number 30 who plays the edge for him, he had a huge game against Rutgers at the end of the season um, when he came back from in injury. And they're very good in the back end. They, they challenged people their last three games. Now, what they're going to do with the new coordinator to be determined, uh, but they're talented. Uh, Stills was uh, – uh, we recruited him really hard. And uh, he was a freshman All-American. He had a great year. Um, and then on special teams, uh, their kicker returns, he's, he's been very solid. They have a right-footed punter and a left-footed punter that they use, and they've been, they've been good as well. More unknowns with this opener because they only played five games last year so many new guys in their 2D. Yeah, fair. Well, I think they're – if you look at it, John, they're one of the – you know, have the highest – one of the highest return rates percentage-wise on offense and defense. But there's not a whole lot to go on. There's They only played five games a year ago. Um, and like I said, they have new coordinators. You know, it's uh, Coach Stewart on defense. You know, he's a Baylor last year, and then he was in the NFL. It's been since 17 since he really called it. Um, so, you know, you're you're kind of – you know, kind of guessing, for lack of a better term, on that. Um, Coach Enos is the offense coordinator, and, you know, last time he called it, it was at Miami, it was at Cincinnati, and they were really good last year, obviously. And then special teams-wise, you know, they, they've got a new coordinator there as well. And so with Coach Zook, and so he's been on the staff, but he hasn't been the actual coordinator. So, you know, we're trying to use our best guesses on what we're going to see. first one on the road is that just to kind of break the string from last year or the idea of hey we're all coming together and you know getting this you know getting all the focus getting away from a little bit of the hoopla what's the idea there? yeah no I just you know we need to get a bad taste out of our mouth we didn't we didn't go on the road and perform as well uh, that hadn't been a the case historically you know we played our best football on the road in 19 you know winning at Kansas State and winning at TCU so um, and then historically for our for our staff, we've played really well on the road, you know. Um, so I don't think it's a an issue, but we still got to go out and win on the road, which we didn't a year ago. You, um, on your sideline, do you in a first game kind of look for certain tells for people who maybe haven't seen yet? And then in addition, this year is different because you may have veterans who didn't play in front of a crowd last year, and you're on the road, and it just seems like that that normal alertness 
Yeah, I think that was something that was lost last year. I don't think the the newcomers that played and we played several freshmen a year ago. Um, we played our first game with nobody here against Eastern Kentucky. So they were maybe able to get um, into the flow. There maybe weren't as many nerves as there normally would have been. And then we went and you know I don't know what they what they said the percentage was at Oklahoma State, but there was a pretty good crowd there. So and um, and that's the way it was for for most of the games last year. You had a feel, even though it maybe wasn't as many people as normal, it was loud, whether it was stadium noise or whatever. Um, so outside of our, our first game and maybe our second game, we played Baylor here. You know, our guys played in pretty good atmospheres. But it is going to be different. It's going to be different for the Wyatt Milans, the Caden Prathers, um, that, you know, I'm just thinking on offense, that their their first college football experience is going to be quite a, quite a bit different than – Zach Frazier's was last year playing against an empty stadium in Eastern Kentucky. Have you developed? Have decided who's developmental squad? What freshmen are going to play? We've got we've got an idea. You know, we really do. I think offensively, you know, I'll start right there. Is is Caden Prather? He'll be in the rotation. He's going to play. Um, Wyatt Milam will be will will play at some point. I think those are. Um, you know, Justin Johnson will probably see some playing time offensively. Um, defensively, we, uh, you know, both transfers at linebacker, not their first college action. Um, and then uh, Charles Woods also. Um, Aubrey Burks is a possibility, you know. And then and then Kerry Martin, who didn't play a year ago. So those are some some new faces, maybe – Aubrey being the only true freshman, maybe on defense, um, but those are some of the the new new faces that that will play. You know, I know you talked about Casey Leg a couple weeks ago, but um, you know now that he's officially the starter, uh, can you just? It's such a unique path he's taken to get here from mm-hmm. a small private school to didn't even have football. So, you know, what has that kind of been like for him the last couple of years, and uh, just kind of what's that? Well, he he won the job in fall camp, and I'd be remiss without with you know while talking about Casey without talking about Evan, you know. And I had this conversation with Evan. I mean, what he's been able to do in just under ten months from a really um, severe knee injury, you know, um, what he's been able to do as far as coming back and kicking, uh, and he's going to handle our kickoff duties. Um, but I think it's. Um, you know, we all need to appreciate, he needs to appreciate what he's been able to do in a relatively short amount of time is coming back and, and be able to perform at a high level. Um, Casey's just really consistent through fall camp. Um, he's done a nice job of, of changing the ball flight, um, getting it up higher. Um, the, the thing that I really like is he's so grounded in all aspects of his life. Um, he doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. Uh, if you remember... He got pressed into action two years ago and really made a huge kick at Baylor that got taken away, um, but then went back against Kansas State and made a huge uh, kick as well. Struggled a little bit at the end of last year, and we put Sumter in to kind of finish the year. Um, but he's a, I think it's a great story. You know, he uh soccer player growing up, never played high school football, didn't have high school football, uh, came here and, and really kind of um, – Waited his waited his turn, uh, took advantage of his opportunities, and now he'll he'll go out there and he'll he'll kick the ball for us 
uh, when we line up against Maryland as a starter. Don't go anywhere. Oh, oh mama said, mama, mama said, my mama said, mama said that. My mom, mama said that. My mom, my mom. Mama said you ugly. Hey. The relationship between a lawyer and a client is based on trust. You have to make certain that the lawyer you hire has your best interests at heart. We typically meet our clients at the worst times of their lives, and it's our job to help them. Over the years, we've been entrusted with some of the biggest cases in West Virginia. That's because we have a track record of success and getting exceptional results. We built a reputation as one of the go-to law firms throughout the state of West Virginia. Joining me, uh, high-profile lawyer Ben Salengo. Ben, it's a real honor to have you on. In fact, many of our cases come from other lawyers. Lawyers who've worked with us, lawyers who've worked against us, and even those who've merely heard of our results. We're proud of the reputation we've earned in the community for providing exceptional, aggressive legal representation. When you hire my law firm, you don't get excuses, you get results. It's Mountaineer football season at Tony the Tailor. Tony the Tailor is the Valley's preeminent men's clothing store. Master Tailor Anthony Perizzino has assembled an extraordinary combination of world-renowned vendors and support staff with one goal in mind, to exceed your expectations. In addition to hand-tailored clothing, Tony the Tailor also sells quality WVU apparel from Johnny O to show your support for the Mountaineers. Use promo code Let's Go for 20% off WVU apparel at bestmastertailor.com. Get more bank for your business with United Bank. Whether you'd like to start a business, purchase commercial real estate or equipment, United Bank can help. We support business development throughout our great state, making business and consumer loans and fueling opportunities. Small business owners' dreams come true and larger corporations grow. What can we do for your business? United Bank, West Virginia's bank. Proud to be united with the Mountaineers. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. Sagging, bouncing, or uneven floors? Standing water or high humidity, nasty odors, or dangerous mold? Crawl space problems don't get better with time, but they do get better when you call Alford Home Solutions. At Warner Law Offices, the best part of our day is getting to hand a client a settlement check knowing we've helped them get on with their life. If you've been hurt in a car wreck or from a workplace injury, call us. I'm Bobby Warner, and I'm your lawyer. Burr 101, located on Capitol Street in downtown Charleston, provides unlimited options for fun social gatherings and great dining and the best nightlife in the city. Burr 101 has a full dinner menu, including wings, pork bowls, salads, and more. Be sure to enjoy a cheeseburger with fries with the draft beer for only $13. It's Bar 101's daily special, plus $1 off drafts during happy hour from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Bar 101 also provides carryout and catering. Call 304-346-1101 or find Bar 101 on Facebook. Bar 101. Welcome, stranger. Yeah, hello, this is Big and you're listening to the Touchdown City Podcast. Welcome back to the Touchdown City Podcast. This is Anthony Lewis, and thank you for checking us out. Don't forget to swing by your favorite podcast platform and hit that subscribe button. And if you like the show, Leave us a review. It's always very, it's very much appreciated. And joining me this week is our special guest, former defensive lineman with your West Virginia Mountaineers, also the New York Giants and the Carolina Panthers, and new inductee to the WVU Football or Sports Hall of Fame, 
Mr. Mike Fox. Mike, thanks for coming on with us today here on the Touchdown City Podcast. Yeah, hey, good morning to you. How are you doing today? I'm I'm great. I'm great. I'm down here in uh, southern West Virginia in Charleston, and it's supposed to be about 90 degrees down here today. So, uh, well, drink plenty of water, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're we're all gearing up for school, and uh, you know, football camps have started around the state uh, with the NFL, college, and high school, all the way down to the bitty ball. So it's just that time of year, you know. Yeah, got got to love it when football season's on us. Yeah. Upon us. yeah. Um, well, first and foremost, I'm not, I'm not the first, but congratulations on your induction to the WVU sports hall of fame. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, I'm glad that I got inducted. So, um, it's, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed going to West Virginia university and, you know, I appreciate, you know, everything coach Steelen and his staff done for me and just, you know, I was blessed to be able to be a mountaineer, so I'm very thankful. My so I'm 45. My first game was the '88 Syracuse game, uh, which you played in. Um, so I've been following West Virginia and mostly through the radio at that point. Before that, but uh, I've been following them ever since and have been a, a lifelong fan. But let, let me be the, probably might let me just say that it's probably long overdue that you were inducted. Um, I think they're probably about 10 years late, but it's all good. You got in. Hey, you know, you know, they make their decisions when they make their decisions <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's a, cool. Yeah. That's um, my personal know, opinion. That's I've got, personal. I got, you know, I played for him. I gave him everything I had and anywhere I played, I gave him everything that I had. And, uh, you know, it's really nice to be recognized and, and, uh, glad I could be part of their, you know, West Virginia hall of fame. You know, it's unfortunate that I'm I'm probably one of the few people that when I watch a game, I watch a lot of the line play offensively and defensively. Um, you know, a lot of times the offensive line or the defensive line guys never get the notoriety. So I think um, it's it's a little extra special when the big guys uh, get a little recognition for the for the dirt and the hard work that they put in. Well, you know, it's you know that. It all, believe it or not, it's not just because I played the position. Um, it really does start with your offensive line and your defensive line. So, you know, that's it. I mean, it's like building the house and starting with the chimney and not a foundation. So if you don't have a good foundation up front on either side of the ball, you're not going to go too far at all. And, um, you know, there's just something about men and young men that are trained to be able to, you know, excel at those positions. And like I said, you know, you won't have much success without a good offensive line or a good defensive line. And, um, you know, it all starts up front on either side of the ball. It's either, you know, for an offender, it's either, either if they're this good, it's either first and seven because they're knocking people off the ball. Or if you're a really good defender, it's first and 13 because you're knocking them backwards. Right. So, that's kind of how I view the the game, and I know it's evolved since uh, I've played. And you know, they, they they pass a lot. They do the spread formation and all that stuff, and that's just a whole other aspect of you know what they're doing today. And for lots of different reasons, they do that. And I I call it they don't want to have major collisions. They want to have near collisions where you know they're saving the concussion situation and the 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 
you know, the hits to the head, right. uh, less for linemen, so on and so forth. But bottom line is, is, you know, love the game, still love the game. I do the game again. And, um, so I'm, you know, pretty interesting. So. so, you know, a lot of times when, when people talk about great teams in, in Mountaineer football history, obviously they point to the 1988 team. And of course, um, people automatically the words come major Harris but for a lot of people that really paid attention um, I've always felt like it started up front with the offensive line and and you had to battle those guys in in practice Um, what do you remember about going against that offensive front on that on that 88 undefeated team I mean our offensive line was great I mean, those guys were big. They were strong, and they 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 could move people off the ball, and you know they could, you know, make enough lanes for you know our running back and major errors to, to run if he had to, and you know hold the hold the pressure back on the pass rushers when they had to, and you know the season spoke for itself. I mean, we we went undefeated that year, and um, and you know it's hey. Uh, from a defensive standpoint, I love if I have an offense that's uh, explosive. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, you know, that, that makes a better day for us on defense. But then, you know, a lot of times you don't get that. You still have to have the ability to stop someone and stop someone consistently. Right. Um, especially nowadays. Cause, I mean, bam, people can score 28 points in, you know, in, in, in tw- you know 20 minutes or less. Right. So – a lot of lot of scoring in today's uh, game and you know I don't care if West Virginia scores 100 but I don't want my opponent to score 99 <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I only I only want my opponent to be we were very talented and we were we, we were very stout up front too and we had all the other players to, to make it happen as well and you know all those players are good players um you know, we had a great coach from the defensive line perspective, Coach Gerlavich. I mean, he was pretty intense and awesome, <laughs> and I've learned a lot from him. And, you know, I was very fortunate to have him as my coach. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of people probably wouldn't say that because he was pretty hardcore, but he he's a heck of a coach. So he got us ready for the games, and um, and that's, that's really all you want. You want a coach that can help you get ready for the games and uh, – get you ready for the games and the rest of your life, basically. So that's it. Speaking of Bill Kralavich, I've heard a lot of good imitations of him. Do you, do you have one or who has the best Kralav imitation of all your teammates? Well, I mean, I probably don't have the best Kralav imitation, but (laughs) I can give you, I can give you a story about the intensity of Bill Kralavich. I know when, you know, you know, when you come there as a young person and, and, uh, and you're in the training camp aspect of, of what you do. Right. So, you know, that's basically two-a-days. At least that's what we did when we were there was two-a-days. But if you have Bill Kralavich as a coach, that voice is still ringing in your head when you go to bed at night. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you have three-a-days and, and until you wake up the next day to meet him. So that's kind of how I, I viewed Coach Kralavich. And, you know, great coach. Appreciate it. Appreciate him. And and all that he had done for for me and West Virginia. And uh, definitely a, a, 
a great, great, great defensive line coach. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about your journey to, to Morgantown. Um, can you just talk about the recruiting process, other schools that were, were, were looking at you and you were considering, um, you know, how did you, uh, end up in Morgantown? Well, I was, um, you know, I was like six four, two fourteen. I was like a tall beanpole, um, looked more like a technical basketball player back in that time frame. But, um, I had, um, a rush, it was Russ J. They, they they were recruiting me in the Ohio area at the time and then coach coach Nealon as well but you know he said you know they sent your I think they broke everything down in regions at the time so I didn't really meet Bill Kalavich yet so <laughs> until I got there basically so they probably did that on purpose but it yeah. doesn't matter <laughs> so I've had some good hardcore coaches along the way so like I said they got you ready for the you know I had a my coach in high school was pretty hardcore, so everything was hardcore West Virginia, and we worked hard. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, so those guys those guys um, recruited me there. I also got recruited to um, Kentucky, and I think Coach Dempsey was there at the time, and I got recruited to Memphis State, which was in the SEC at the time. And um, then Michigan State, I, uh, these are all the places. It was uh, George Perlis was the head coach out of the Steelers, and um, Nick Saban was the defensive coordinator at the time. So, you know, I, I chose West Virginia because I just thought I could do well there, and I just felt, I felt really good about that, um, that team and the energy that I had gotten when I, you know, made my trips there. When you obviously, and we'll get into some of this, but you had a a nice pro career as well. But when you think about your time in Morgantown, what what stands out um, to you the most when you when you when you do take that moment or you see that flying WV on ESPN or you you know what comes back? What are some memories that come back to you from time to time? Well, I mean, you know, we. we you know, we, we did the climb. We climbed, you know, we had a couple tough seasons before the 88 season. So right. we, we did, the, we did a hard climb and a, and a, and a, and a, and a, and, and a great grow as far as everybody individually and collectively. So, you know, whatever sport they, and I want them to, excel and and be the best they can be and um games were always real tight you mm-hmm. know real tight right so and syracuse always tight you know i've won games and lost games in syracuse with 14 seconds on the clock so you know you you gotta play every second down every second of that clock until those, you know, all zeros are on that clock, anything can happen. So, I mean, you know, you learn a lot from that. And um, those were very, very big games at the time. And um, it'd be good to see us get.
what what are your thoughts of um you know not seeing those teams on the schedule i know west virginia had to land in the big 12 for financial reasons but does it does it kind of break your heart a little bit when you look at it and you don't see like an eastern football league anymore with those type of you know pitt syracuse boston colleges on the schedule for all these teams actually well i mean i think it would be better for the rivalry aspect okay i understand you know the big 12 generated i think about three times the money and i get all that financial aspect and i don't care if you want to go to the big 12 but if you want to go to the big 12 i want you to be able to compete in the big 12 and and win the big games that matter and that requires you know a lot of different kind of recruiting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know how you, you know, you got to get the, you know, the X's and O's is wonderful, but you got to get the Jimmy's and the Joe's to do it. So, and then you got to have a coaching staff that develops them. And I'm not, and, you know, I, I think our. I know there's no great on that, but, um, you know, if you're going to, you know, we were an independent when I was there. And so I, you either, you either won or you lost and you either made money had bowl games or you didn't. Right. So kind of, uh, uh, if I recall the, when you join a division, isn't it kind of like a split, you split money up right. basically per, yeah. per, per school. So, I mean, you know, it's a safe way of doing it. But, um, you know, I'm going to say West Virginia independent, and I'm going to say they played really good when they were in the uh, the Big East. So they, they, they joined the Big East about three years after I left there, and they games, and they created a lot of different excitement, and and, you know, now they're in the Big 12 and, you know, we're going, we're kind of going west and through the belly of the cu- country. So, you know, you got to, you know, you got to be able to, um, you know, go beat the schools that have a lot of uh, population and a lot of talent, you know, like, the, you know, the, the, the bigger schools in the, in the Big 12, what your Oklahoma's and your Texas's and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, West Virginia's in the past has always knack of getting the right caliber of player to go stand toe to toe with a lot of those clubs and, um, you know, come out victoriously when it was needed. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to, get there again as I'm as just like everybody would want them to, but I mean, we need to get there again. So we got to, you know, hopefully we can get the, the situation going. And I know there's a bunch of people moving or supposedly leaving and, and all that stuff, you know, going to go to the SEC. And uh, I think what, what was it? Oklahoma state and Texas or Maybe going to the SEC, is that what I heard? Yeah, it looks like the Sooners uh, in, in Texas are in the SEC. Yeah so, and, yeah, so, you know, so then you look at it like this. Well, does that help West Virginia to, you know, 
move forward in the Big 12 and still get three times the money? I don't know. Or does the money change, obviously, because those bigger schools, you know, went to a different division. So there's a whole lot of movement everywhere. But the bottom line is, is it's a football game and there's a score board and there's a time and we need to be on the winning side of that, you know, more often than not. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Coach Nealon, um, I know you were just back in town. You were in for the Josiak tournament? Yep. Yes. Yep. Was there doing that? So, it's, a uh, great, it's a great event. I didn't even really know about it until about seven or so years ago. and I've been coming ever since. So it uh, raises money for Children's Hospital and all the, the needs of – the children and the, you know, the parents of those children in distress. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a great event. So it's a fun event. It's a great event. It's a, you know, it's a good, you know, alumni building situation with, you know, all your fellow. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's great to go back to college. So that's all I can say. Um, I know coach Nealon comes out for that every year. What, when you, when someone says Don Nealon, you instantly say back about uh, Coach Nealon. Well, I mean, he's Don Nealon is a great coach. So, number one, he's a great coach, and, and number two, he, you know, I, I thank him every time I see him. I thank him. you know, and he says thanks for coming, so, and <laughs> I appreciate that too. So that's uh, Coach Nealon's a great coach. He put he, he put together a good program. So. I, I constantly um, politic on Twitter about building a statue in front of, of, of Mountaineer Field. Um, I, I'm I, I'm just that guy. Like I just feel like that when I look at Mountaineer Field, I think I look I say that's the house that Don Nealon built. I mean, if you look at where the program was in 1979 to within within ten years where he took it and then continued to maintain a level of uh, excellence for the next 10 years. Um, I just, I think I, I'm a recognition guy. I think hall of fame. Well, I mean, there's, there, yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. Coach Nealon deserves a stadium with his name on it and a statue. So, yeah. I mean, you know, definitely coach Nealon, you know, he helped put, WVU on the board. Yeah. So absolutely. And they, you know, they recruited, you know, they recruited the best way they could and they got the best, you know, almost they got some of the best hard working players in the in the nation there and, you know, turned them into men and you know, we got you know, we won a lot of football games. So and he and he was part of that. And you know, we you know, what if West Virginia don't go to the national championship in 88? What does that do for the program? You know what I'm saying? Right. So, you know, that's that was big. And, and I'm sure it was good in the pocketbook for, you know, the people of the university. Because so, we were an independent, so I'm sure they didn't have to share the money with anybody, right? Right, at that so, time. Yeah. yeah, at that time. So, and, and that's good. So, But, I mean, you know, that's the risk you take. So, and now, you know, like I said, Big East, Big 12, independent. Um, you know, if you want to go, you know, I don't know if they're talking about going, trying to join the ACC or what the deal is on, on that perspective, but 
you know, they need to dominate wherever they're going. And they've had no problem dominating in the past. Right. So we, we need to, you know, we need to rekindle the old mountaineer fever and um, get that stoked up again. All, you know, lots of guys that went to West Virginia, they were hard-nosed, tough dudes from all over. So, that's, you know, that's what you need. So if you're going to go out there and slug with the big boys, you got to have some guys with, you know, and, and I think they got them. So, a little bit of coaches and all, so. yeah. Coaches and all. So. Well, you know, talk about leaving West Virginia. Second round draft pick by the Giants was at the '90 draft after the '89 season, I believe. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, just talk about your transition from college to the NFL, um, and 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 what that was like for you. Um, you know, with the Giants, and then I believe you ended up in Carolina for a few years. Uh, just talk about that transition and and some of the great things that happened to you, clearly with the Super Bowl and that type of thing. Yeah, well, the first thing is, is you know, very hardcore coaches, you know, and you know. And they work, you work hard. So one of the prerequisites of being a football player, at least everywhere I played, was you better be a hard worker. This is no slack game for nobody. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, Ben, you know, the first thing you find out is when you get to the NFL, is everybody's really good. <laughs> there is there, there is no middleman. So they're, they're all pretty good. And, you know, if you want to, you know, stick around, you better, uh, you know, Figure out how to get good real fast. So. What what did, did you ever see anything in Bill Belichick that led you to believe that he could become one of the greatest NFL coaches of all time? Well, I mean, you know, the Parcells regime and any people that were under him at the time, you know, they really built something in New York at that time. Right. So – you know, that, that was a, you know, a pretty good formula to, you know, do what you need to do and, and, and move, move up the chain. So, you know, so let, let's take a look at that formula. What, the first thing in that formula is, you know, we have to run the ball and we have to stop the run. This is in the nineties, right? Right. And, and then you have to, you know, you have to have a great defense. You have to have an offense that can control the clock. <laughs> So when you do play against those high-powered football teams, you control the clock so that they don't get a chance to put, you know, 21 points up on you in three minutes. Right. <laughs> so, you know, because that happens. I mean, it's a, it's a nightmare day, and it's a hard to dig out. But um, but it, it does happen from time to time, and just everything goes kablooey. So those coaches were very good, and uh, there was no nonsense about them. And we worked very hard in the off seasons, and you build your team in the off season. You don't just show up and you know July. April, May, June, July, August. You know that that the off season to the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know they got different rules and regulations of what they can do. And even in the colleges. And if I could say one thing about that, here's what I think. 
So <clears throat> if you want to be the best and you want to win the game, then you've got to do almost everything you can do to do that. So that means extra time working on what you need to work on. Then it needs to be done, not just in the pro level, but even in the college level. It takes so much longer for the, the offensive, the defensive line to get, you know, mature enough because you actually have to do it. You know, it's hard to simulate those type of tactics to one another, let alone simulate it in the game. And you know what? I'm, 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 you know, I'm from the time where even in the pros, if you had to start practice over, I mean, from the very beginning, like go back in the locker room and walk out, we had to do that too. Okay. Um, um, so, and, and then in the high school times, if we had a bad, you know, practice or we were going into the night, they pulled their cars up on the track and put the lights on until we got it right. So, I know there's all these different rules and regulations, but, you know, and, and that's fine. I get some of it on the, you know, so there's no technical abuse on that. But the bottom line is, is, you know, you did all you can do to win the game. And that's the bottom line, win the game. Right. So, and, you know, and then you're teaching your players that, you know, you don't, Stop until you get it right, and that goes, and then th that will take them through life too. It ain't just the, you know, after the football's over, and all that, you know, said and done, and that's all wonderful and great. You know, life is pretty tough too. So it's a different game out here on the street, and it's the same thing. You got to be able to outwork your opponent. It's just a different type of person at this point. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of, you know, if I could say something without being disrespectful, I just think the work ethic and the, and the restrictions they put on excellence for lots of different things in the NCAA and the NFL, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. Cause I think, you know, I think you do, you do it till you get it right. And if you have to start all over again, you do that too. So that's, uh, just uh, some old school thinking, but I, I, it didn't do me no harm. It made me better, right? Uh, and it made a lot of people better. So, but um, yeah, you know, you just can't. I don't know. You just can't shove excellence underneath the rug and and uh, think it's going to be there when you need it on game day. Um, because if you can't make the tackles during the week, or make the plays during the week, or make the throw during the week then God forbid you will not do it on game day. <laughs> Absolutely. There's, there's, there's another set of people over there that's been studying you all week or for three weeks before. So they know what you can and cannot do as well. So you got to be able to rise above all that. Then you have to win the football game. Absolutely. And you got to win them in the fourth quarter. So you can't, if you don't, if you don't, you know, <laughs> Anybody can play a couple quarters, but the fourth quarter is where a lot of games are won and lost. And it just comes down to endurance, durability, stamina, and, you know, physical training. So you got to work hard. That's all I know. So when you, who, who will make the trip with you to Morgantown for your induction? Uh, just tell I, I, yeah, I haven't, I haven't, 
I haven't even gotten that far yet, but I'll <laughs> I'll figure it out. Yeah, that's uh, when is uh, is that the trying? It's a Virginia Tech weekend. I think it's October thirtieth. Okay, so it's I think it's Kansas or something like that. Later in the season, later in the yeah, season. Yeah. When you uh, when you get back to Morgantown, is what do you think of the the town? I, I got up there a few weeks ago, and I was blown away by the. Uh, the growth and just the way things. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. So it's definitely overly commercialized. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and it's, uh, definitely, you know, modernized. So that's called growth and that's a good thing. And, and, uh, you know, it's better than it being a little sleepy old town. It might be a sleepy town in the off season, but you know, it's not a sleepy town when school's in session right yeah <laughs> so we got a lot going on yeah my um we're taking uh my nephew starts school there next week i believe that he'll be moving in uh he was actually born at children's hospital so it's been full circle for him and uh, i'll be going back up a few more times to visit with him and i'm actually going to buy tickets and sit in the stands and and just enjoy uh being a fan again it's taken me a long time to, to come back around to that uh, after working there and working in the media and being on the field, I just enjoy sitting right. in the stands, you know, and uh, with the with the regular folk, I guess as they call them, and the, with the fans. Hey, and looking, yeah. f- looking forward hey, to that. Ain't nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with it. Just you know, just enjoy all the aspects because if you live long enough, you will. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. But um, Mike, thanks so much for for coming on, and again, congratulations on your Hall of Fame induction. Um, I know it'll be a big weekend for you and your family, and it's it's well deserved. Yep, and I'm very thankful and looking forward to it. The Touchdown City Podcast is produced by Anthony Lewis in partnership with HD Media, the Charleston Gazette Mail. Get your Touchdown City podcast merchandise by visiting touchdowncity.com.